He's the guy that we follow, so we're going to be like him. And we're in this series all the way up through Easter Sunday, all the way up to Easter where he comes out of the tomb. And the sermon that day is called Live Again. And today, in being like Jesus, I want to unpack this concept that Jesus lived out. And it's kind of weird, so it's right up my alley. Um, <laughs> the, 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 if you're into titles, the title would be this, Choose Unpopular Friends. Choose Unpopular Friends. I want to start with an exercise. If you've got your sermon notes or maybe you've just got your phone, uh, pull up the notes app in your phone. Go ahead and pull it out. And if, if you do have your phone, go ahead and turn it on silent. Nobody wants to hear your Jay-Z ringtone, okay, it's, or your David Allen Co., whatever it is that we have here in Elmwell. Um, but pull out, pull out your notes app, pull out your notes. I want to start with an exercise, okay? I want you to write down the names of two people that come to mind when you think of the two friends that are closest to you. I'll give you a minute. Two, two friends, two, and everybody in the room is doing this, whether it's with your thumbs on your... Some of y'all are just looking at me, and I want you to actually do this. Like, two friends that come to mind. Two of you, they can be your closest friends, the two friends that... If you're, if you're really having trouble, go to, go to your text messages, the last two people you texted, okay? Two friends that come to mind, two people that you share things with. If you don't have any friends, write my name down. My name's Nate. We need to work on your social life, okay? But the past, pastor has to be everybody's friend, okay? So two friends. Do you have two names down? We're going to come back to this later. This is yes. This is no. This is not a trick question. Okay. Now, all right, second part of this. Think of the names of two people that come to mind who you know need a friend. Two names of people you know that you know need a friend. It could be somebody that you see sitting two rows away from you. <laughs> They're sitting alone. It could be someone at the office that you know is just hurting and going through something. It could be, it could be a grandma who just lost her husband. It could be a teenager who just isn't fitting in. And again, if you don't know anybody who needs a friend, just put my name, Nate, right. Just put my name down. And again, we need to work on your social life, but the names of two people. Some of you, again, are just looking at me. No, put down the names of two people that you know need a friend. I'm not, and, and, and by the way, I'm not really into weird um, church things where we, like, shout the names out loud. Like, this, this is just for you. I'm not, we're not going to do anything awkward with this, okay? This is for you. So there's no, like, trick or gotcha moment coming. This is just for you. This is for you to, like, pray through and to think through. But it's also, I want, to re, I want to refer to this in the message. The names of two people that are your friends, the names of two people that you know, a person needs a friend. I want to pray again. In the name of Jesus, God, you see the people in our lives who are close to us and the people that we recognize who are in need. Maybe some of us feel that we're in need of friends. No doubt some of us were tempted to even write our own names down because we're like, man, I'm lonely. And when we talk about Jesus hanging out with people who were unpopular or choosing the unpopular people, no doubt some of us today, whether we've just recently moved to the area or whether we just struggle to fit in with people, we're like, oh, gosh, that, 
that'd be me. It'd be nice if he would choose me. God, you see our hearts and you see the lives that we live and the ways that we manage our lives and the feelings that we feel and the things that go unspoken and unsaid, the things that we think. I pray over these next several moments, just as we get into your word and in the life of Jesus, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak louder than the guy with the microphone on his head. I pray that um, your light would be brighter than anything that we've got wired into the electrical panel. And that your healing would be more palpable than the hands we shake and the necks that we hug. We want to hear from you, God. Nothing else really really matters in this world of religion and scripture and everything else that comes with it. We're here and we keep coming back to the words of Jesus because we honestly we've got to keep hearing from you. Because in your word that's where life is. We love you. Amen. There's several people that Jesus hung out with who weren't popular. Uh, one of those guys was a disciple of his. His name is Matthew. There's a whole book of the Bible named Matthew. And uh, he had another name, uh, a name he went by. Uh, lunchbox was his popular nickname, but the other one in scripture was Levi. Just kidding about the lunchbox thing. That's not in scripture. The jokes aren't landing. Okay, so if you go to Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, or Mark chapter 2, or Luke chapter 5, you'll find this story where Jesus called Matthew, and, and the verse goes like this. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he, Matthew, got up and followed him. This is, this is the calling of Matthew, being a disciple of Jesus. And this is so scandalous because tax collectors were hated. And it's like, okay, none of us like really paying taxes. And if the RRS shows up to your door, you're not, there's no like warm, fuzzy, oh, goody, they're here. It's not like Amazon's delivering a package, you know. It's, nobody likes that. Nobody, nobody wants to talk to the IRS if they call on the phone. So, but, it, but it goes further than that in ancient ancient Israel. See, the tax collectors didn't really work for the, the Jewish head of state. The tax collectors worked for the Roman government. See, back in those days, the Jewish people were actually occupied by the Roman government. It would be, imagine like if there was another foreign power that was in charge of America, okay? And th that would be problematic in and of itself. And all of us gun-toting rebels who like the Second Amendment would be like, no, we're going to rise up in arms but I don't care what kind of an arsenal you've got at home, our guns aren't going to stand up to tanks and drones and nuclear warheads, you know? Like, like those people could not fight against the Roman Empire. They were going to be killed, and they were being killed. So imagine a foreign power just, like, ruling over us. It would be devastating. And so what was happening is, like, Billy Bob or Matthew down the street had given into this, and he had taken a job with the foreign power. And that was Rome. 
and he was a tax collector for Rome. And when people saw him, they went, boo, hiss, okay? And they talked about him. So let's practice our good American ways. Matthew walks in the room, everybody go, boo, hiss, boo, hiss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The people hated this guy. Not only because he, he was a sellout and he was not proud to be an American anymore, no more singing, uh, what's the guy that sang? I'm proud to be an American. What's his name? Lee Greenwood. He, he's no longer allowed to sing Lee Greenwood, okay? Can't do it. We, don't, we do not let him. He does not get to come see the fireworks at our buddy's house on July 4th. Not allowed. You know, Matthew walks into the room. We hate him. But not only that, he's a traitor with power. Because let me tell you how he got to collect taxes. He had a set amount that he had to give to Rome. But he also had the authority to collect whatever he wanted to for his salary. So this is a guy in town who you knew, who used to like be on the Rotary Club or whatever, or whatever, had his kids in the same baseball league. And now he gets to come to your house with armed guards and collect taxes and then whatever else he wants to collect to pay his salary. Boo, hiss. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We don't like this guy. And then Jesus comes and calls him a disciple. This is a traitor with power. And Jesus calls him to be a follower. Not only that, Jesus chose unpopular friends. <clears throat> he ate with tax collectors like Matthew and Zacchaeus and sinners. Listen to this verse. Same chapter. As he sat down at dinner in the house with many tax collectors and sinners that came and were sitting with him and the disciples. When the Pharisees, these are the religious people, when the Pharisees saw this, they said to Jesus' disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now, the Pharisees get a really bad rap by preachers and guys like me, okay? We preach, don't be like the Pharisees and all this kind of stuff. But do you realize that like back in the day, everybody wanted to be like the Pharisees? Because they were the holy people. They were the religious people. They were the people who had the podcasts and the cable TV news outlets. And they had the influence that all the religious people were listening to. And they asked the disciples, why is he doing this? And we sit back and we're like, what's the big deal? He's just eating with them. Well, in ancient Israel, the table, the dinner table was the place of influence. Spiritual religious points were taught and fellowship occurred. And the term dinner often connotes a banquet or a festive meal where people reclined and were informal with each other. But it was probably done in Jesus' honor. Eating with someone in this way established a covenant of friendship. It said, if you're eating in this way with people, these are my people. It would be the same thing as Carolina fans and Tennessee volunteer fans eating around the table today in fellowship. Duke lost last night. Hallelujah, praise the Lamb. Jesus is still on the throne. Glory to Jesus. I had to get it in. Eating with someone in this way establishes a friendship and it means that I approve of the people around the table. In one ancient story, two warriors stopped fighting each other when they discovered 
that their fathers shared a meal in this way. Warring warriors stopped their war when they realized their fathers shared table fellowship. So the issue of eating together with sinners was very sensitive in Judaism. Because people believed that eating in such company conveyed an acceptance of that person's sin. Jesus preferred pursuing relationships that might lead sinners to God rather than quarantining himself from such people. Got him in trouble. Jesus hung out with tax collectors. Jesus hung out with sinners. Jesus chose to be around sick people. Sick people were unpopular, not only because they were sick and you might get sick, but religious people, the Pharisees, the, the religious of the ancient world, not just in ancient Judaism, but in other world religions, they considered the infirm, the sick, to be in that kind of way because they were cursed by God. And you know what one of the big things Jesus was known for? Healing the sick. Reversing the curse. He was known for that kind of stuff. Jesus healed them, and he was popular with sick people. They would, they would flock to him to be healed. But the powerful people Jesus was unpopular with. And Jesus said things like this to the powerful. He said, same, same, same chapter that we were in, Matthew 9. The people who are well have no need for a physician. Because he heard them grumbling. Those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I've, called, for I've come to call not the righteous, but sinners. And he says things to the religious people like, y'all are so worried about how you look on the outside. And God has not judged you unworthy because of what's on the outside, but by what's on the inside. He said things to the religious people like, you are whitewashed tombs who look really, really pretty on the outside, but what is inside is dead and decaying. There's another passage of scripture that is like by the, by the Theo bros and all the people who want to like know scripture and, and discuss scripture and argue about scripture. These, these scriptures here really really come up for hot debate. Luke chapter 7, Jesus chose to be around people who were considered to be drunks, gluttons, and sex workers. Luke chapter 7, a sinful woman who had a reputation anoints Jesus' feet with perfume and her tears and dries them with her hair. Let me tell you something. Any woman that comes up to me in any service or any public gathering and takes my shoes off and starts anointing my feet and using her tears and washing my feet and using her hair, my wife will murder her. <laughs> Shauna Drive will go to jail. I will be talking to her through plate glass, y'all. Like, she ain't sharing this with nobody. 
There's so much to share, and she is greedy. My eyes are, don't, don't. I have to wear lots of clothes to keep y'all pure. Now think about it for a minute. Think, let's go back to Jesus. For the love of God, let's go back to Jesus. Think about this. In a public, in public forum, this woman sensually rubbing his feet with perfume, it is uncomfortable. If you thought my little funny thing or unfunny thing, depending on how stuck up you are, if you think what I had to say was uncomfortable, think about how sensual that performance was in the midst of really religious stuck-up people. Not only that, Jesus had a reputation of being around people who ate too much, drank too much. Not only that, the stories that followed Jesus, they threw a woman who was caught in the very act of adultery in front of him, wanting him to condemn her, and he does not. On the road, he sits at a well where a Samaritan woman comes, a woman who... who First of all, she's a woman. They don't, they don't, they don't mix with men in, the, in that ancient culture. And he talks to her. She's a Samaritan, so there's race issues. And not only that, she's had five, four to five husbands. So I think the easy interpretation is she's a loose woman. She gets around. But the really real thing that's going on here, she's been discarded by five, four or five men. She is not wanted. He has a reputation. He is recognized not only with hanging out with these people, but he is accused of being like these people because of it. And why does this matter, who he hung out with? Because who he hung out with killed his reputation with the popular crowd. Now, there's a few important things that we have to note. In every instance when Jesus hung out with people, he did some of the same things. He called Matthew to be his disciple. The tax collectors and sinners, he called them to repentance. This one chief tax collector, Zacchaeus, gave money back that he had stolen and made a complete turnaround in his life. The Samaritan woman, he called to repentance. The sinful woman who was thrown at his feet, he called to repentance. Do you notice the pattern? Like every time Jesus is around people, he brings them the good news because he is the good news. Every time he's around people, He says, the good news is here. The good news is for you. And I think that's the point of the sermon today. I think that's the point of being like Jesus. The point is this, the good news is for everyone. Being like Jesus, the good news is for everyone, but especially for the unpopular people. Last week, we talked about the one, the person who doesn't yet know. And gang, for the life of me, there are so many people in Albemarle So many people in Stanley County. And there are so many churches in Stanley County. There are so many people who do not know. Because although the information may be out there, the relationship is not. The touching with the gospel is not. We tend to keep an arm's length with the people of disrepute reputation, while at the same time the church of Jesus Christ has built our own reputation of disrepute. I want you to go back to your lists from the beginning of our time together today. I want you to look at the names. 
Pull it out. Look at the names. The people that you wrote down aren't tax collectors. Chances are the people whose names you wrote down aren't going to ruin your reputation. They're not going to get you killed. But these are people that God has put in front of you. He has given you eyes to see them. He's given you his heart to care for them. So how are you going to be like Jesus? How will you live and love like Jesus? Just to wrap this little sermon up, some really practical ways to love like Jesus. Here's the first one. Love with touch. Now, I want to go right on the record immediately and say don't be creepy. <laughs> don't be weird. Don't be invasive. You know, if, 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 if your first thought is to go hug everybody, especially the people who don't want hugs, I just want to back you up and say don't do that. Um, don't, don't go in for, don't, you know, if, 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 you, if you know that Bobby's not a hugger, don't go hug Bobby, okay? Just don't do it. What do I mean when I say love will touch? Look at Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. Jesus shows us how to do this. When Jesus had come down from the mountain, great crowds followed him, and there was a leper. Say leper. There was a leper who came to him and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you choose, you can make me clean. He, Jesus, stretched out his hand and touched him saying, he touched him, say touched him, saying, I do choose, be made clean. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Back in those days, leprosy was not treatable. It's treatable today. But in about 10 years, left untreated, you're going to die. It starts with fatigue and pain in your joints. Scaly spots develop on your skin. Your body's covered with lumps and they're filled with pus. Your face changes shape. It res it resemble your face starts resembling a lion. Growth on your vocal cords, it changes your voice. Your body decomposes from the outside and goes in. There's a very, very nasty stench that comes along with it. There was a rule. You had to scream unclean because it was contagious and if you didn't scream you had to tear your clothes and you had to show people you had leprosy I mean you thought we had it bad during the first months of like lockdown and COVID wearing masks at least they did at least the government didn't say you had to scream unclean when you were walking into food lion okay some of y'all did that just because you thought it was funny and it wasn't by the way no one can touch you think about it no one can touch you. Maybe you've had a disease or you've had, you've had something where you could not touch anybody. You had to be in like a clean room state for a while and you couldn't touch anybody. These people were not allowed to touch anybody for the rest of their life. They had to live in colonies outside of the town. Jesus didn't have to touch this guy to heal him, right? Jesus healed other people just by speaking a word and not being around them. But why do you think Jesus touched him? Perhaps it was because the leper didn't just need healing from the disease. Perhaps the leper needed perhaps the leper needed the touch of Jesus. A couple of weeks ago I had the privilege and Pastor John went with me. I had the privilege and the the honor of going into a medical facility to meet with one of our dear sisters who is in the process of dying. 
and she wanted to be baptized. I'm going to tell you, she, she can't be submerged in water. She just can't. With all the tubes and the different things that are on her body, she, she can't. But she had, she had not been baptized. And she did not want to leave this earth without the witness of baptism. I went, I went to my house and I got a, a, a bottle of warm water from my house. I took it, I took it in there and I, and I drenched her head. <laughs> we put towels around her. We prayed with her. We hugged her. We kissed her. We loved her. We touched her. Because when you're lying in a bed with tubes coming out from you and you want to be baptized, you get baptized. The water matters the touch matters I'll never forget when I was 19 years old I had a knowledge of Jesus I knew Jesus I had made a decision to follow Jesus but I was at this place emotionally I was at this place spiritually where I was struggling and I was at a, I was at a church in Concord on a Sunday night or Sunday morning actually and an old preacher by the name of Tom Whitten saw me and walked off of the platform. It was back in those days. Remember, remember in churches, some churches still do this. They had these thrones on the stage where the preacher sat. I don't know why we did that, but they had these thrones. Some of y'all are looking at me like, what? Oh, it happened. Tom Wayne was this preacher, and he was, I, I just loved him. He just saw me, and I guess the Spirit of God just told him to come and give me a hug. And, he walk, and it was a big church, and he walked off of the platform and walked him right to where I was, and he just hugged me. And like it was one of those like 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 dad hugs, and I just cried. He just held me and hugged me. Like music is going on and all this stuff, and he's in like the suit, and I'm like crying. I'm snotting all over a suit. Oh, it meant the world to me. The power of touch, not being weird. But Jesus loved people like that. How do you love people? You love them with touch. You love them with listening. Most people, when they, when they, when you, when they, when they come to you and you're having a conversation, have you, ever, have you ever felt in yourself waiting for the other person to shut up so that you can get your point in? Some of us are like, no, never. And inside you're like, yes, all the time. <laughs> Most people don't listen with an intent to understand. Most people listen and wait for the other person to finish talking so that I can finally talk. There's a story in scripture, two guys walking upon along the road. They're more depressed and lonely and their eternal hopes are dashed and Jesus shows up. It's found in Luke 24. It says this, starting in verse 17. These guys are walking along the road. Jesus has been crucified. Jesus has risen from the dead. But these guys who have been following Jesus don't know that he has risen from the dead. These guys are walking and Jesus shows up, but they don't know it's Jesus. In verse 17, Jesus asks them, what are you discussing together as they walk along the road? They stood still. Their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened here in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. Jesus knew all about what had happened to him the past few days. That wasn't the point. Jesus let them talk. 
Jesus heard them out. One of the best ways to love people is just to listen to them. Not to offer advice or try to fix what's going on, but just to listen. One of the best tools I've learned in life is to just ask questions, especially when I know the answers. My nine-year-old teaches me how to do this. He beat me in the game of horse four times in a row yesterday. He's mastered certain shots. I used to could beat him on left-handed, one, one-handed, left-handed shots, but he's gotten better at it. And I'll ask him, how did you get better at it? Well, I've been practicing, Dad. I've been practicing with the left hand and the right hand. One of the best tools I've learned is to just ask questions. See, when we, we're in conversations, we think if I talk a lot, it's a good conversation. But those who are the best conversationalists, they help others learn how to open up in a conversation. And have you ever thought about this? The word listen has the exact same letters in it as the word silent. Some great phrases I would encourage you to just use the heck out of. Hey, what's your story? I'd love to hear more about that. How can I pray for you? Sometimes, believe it or not, and this is really difficult for parents to learn, but sometimes people don't want us to fix something. They just want to be heard. They simply just want to know that somebody else understands and cares. And the last thing here is to love, not just with a touch, not just to love with listening, but we see Jesus loving with time. When we see Jesus with the tax collectors, with the dinners, he was reclining, spending his time with people, taking his time. I don't read anywhere in scripture where it seems like Jesus was rushed when he was spending time with his people. In Luke chapter 5, he's speaking to a crowd and he's taking his time. In Luke chapter 8, he's with people and he's asleep. And later... He's like meandering when he's on his way to heal people. In Mark chapter 1, he's with people and he's like taking his time on his way to prayer. I want to close with this story and then we're going to um, pray for each other before we leave. This would be a good time for, for y'all to come up and play some mood music while I land the plane. My friend Zach died recently of cancer uh, last month. I got a picture of him. School came up. That's Zach. Zach's, Zach was one of the funniest guys I've ever met in my life. We made videos together. I've got some pictures of these. They're not dignifying at all. That's me and Zach in a video years ago. And the next, the next picture is us get, almost getting hit by a car. And then there's a picture of us consoling each other in a video. That's chocolate pudding in his hand right there. And then there's a picture of him getting a little creeped out. And, uh, and then there's a very undignified photo of <laughs> me gardening and him sunbathing in the background. For the love of God, get that off. Okay. Um, Zach's so funny. He insisted, he was in the hospital for like the, probably the last five or six weeks of his life in Texas. 
he insisted, this is so dark, but he insisted that when he died, that they keep, they, they, they put a bracelet on his, on his wrist that said fall risk. He insisted they keep that on his wrist in the casket. <laughs> so in the casket, some of y'all don't know if you can laugh at this or not. You can. In the casket, he's laying there and it's got fall risk. <laughs> um, some of you who have been a part of this church for a long time know uh, Dr. Charles Cookman. It's his grandson. I regret that I didn't get to spend more time with Zach. Time is one of those intangibles that we just don't get enough of, we feel. With Zach, I'd, I'd probably get to hang out with him maybe once a year. He lived in L.A., we lived in Baltimore, then we moved back to North Carolina. Whenever we went out to L.A., we'd always spend time with him. It just wasn't convenient, I mean, opposite coasts and everything. I mean, we could have Zoomed, we could have done lots of things. Zach was one of those people, um, every single person felt like they had a special connection with him. They even said that at his memorial yesterday that every person felt like they had like this special connection that nobody else had. And it's true. They also said at the memorial that Zach had no enemies. Well, he had, he had a couple. I, knew, I, know, one, I know one of them. <laughs> People that just didn't get along with him. But for the most part, like everybody that knew Zach loved him and he loved them. He was a great friend. And how do you love people? You love, you love them with time. You love them with time. And the people that God's put around you, the ones that are on your lists, the ones that you know well, and the ones that you know need somebody, those people need somebody to be like Jesus to them. Those people that need a friend that you wrote down, they need someone to touch them, to hug them. They need someone to listen to them. And maybe today you feel alone like the tax collector, or maybe you really wish somebody would reach out to you. I want to say a few things to you before we pray. First of all, you're not here by accident. You didn't click the link today by accident if you're watching online. Secondly, I want you to know that we're a church that cares about you and we love you. But we're not magic and we're, we, we have Holy Spirit working and we believe in discernment. But we're not magic and we may not know that you're struggling unless you tell us. But man, if you tell us, we're, we're going to care. We're going to come alongside you. We're going to pray with you. We're going to love you. And I want you to know too that God cares about you and God loves you. So much so that in the book of Isaiah, these words come out through the prophet and they're words for you. So do not fear for I am with you.